0: Welcome to the Robert Affalter Show. I am Robert Affalter. Today I thought we'd go through the history of Reiki as given in the spirit of Reiki by Carolyn Jackson. (coughs) I was first introduced to Reiki in 1984. After the first class, I knew that my life would never be the same. It has led me on a journey of discovery and fulfillment, which has surpassed my most vivid imaginings and all of my dreams. Reiki, pronounced Reiki, is a Japanese word which means universal life force energy. This energy is the building block of all living things. It is the patterning of all things and it is the power upon which the discipline of Reiki is based. One of my teachers gave me a tape of Hawaii Takata telling the story of Mikau Usui and the beginnings of Reiki. And it is with some of this information that I retell the story. The history of Reiki as I tell it has not been corroborated. Many masters believe that it is untrue. Many believe that Makao was a Zen Buddhist monk who revealed symbols which are contained within the Buddha sutras. Nonetheless, the following is the traditional story. In the late 1800s, there lived a man named Makao He was the principal and master of the Doshisha University in Kyoto, Japan. One day he was about to deliver his Sunday sermon he saw members of his graduating class sitting in the front pews with their head, hands raised. He recognized them and they had questions for him. They told him that as members of his graduating class, they felt they needed some clear answers to guide them as they prepared to meet the challenges they would face as adults. Their first question was whether Makao believed the stories of the miracles of Jesus. Makao said he had complete faith in the Bible and as such believed the stories of Christ's miracles. They then asked him if he could also perform these miracles. Could he walk on water or heal the lame and the blind? Nakaosu admitted that he could not, and he realized that his faith in the miracles of Jesus, although strong, was still a blind faith. Having realized this, he immediately resigned his position and told his students that he would begin a search for the formula by which Jesus Christ had healed. He knew that the United States was a Christian country and so enrolled in the University of Chicago to begin studies in theology and philosophy. He first compared the many different versions of the Bible and found them to be essentially the same. Nowhere in them could he find any reference to the way Jesus had healed. In his philosophy class, he learned that Buddha had also healed. When Makao returned to Japan, he visited many Buddhist monasteries, asking the monks if they knew of the means by which Buddha had healed. He was told that the monks were too busy healing the minds and spirits of the people to be concerned about the healing of their bodies. Finally, he came to a Zen Buddhist monastery, and the abbot there told him that although he did not know of a formula, Makaosui was welcome to stay and take part in their meditations and discourses. The abbot believed that the formula would be revealed in his lifetime. So Makaosui decided to stay. First, he studied the sutras in Japanese. but could not find any formula. He realized that the sutras were originally written in Chinese and studied the entire Chinese language and then studied the sutras again. Still, he could find no formula. He realized that the Buddha had originally come from India and that the language there at the time was Sanskrit. He studied Sanskrit and there, written by a disciple of Buddha's, was a simple formula. The formula was very old and Macau Sui did not know how to use it. After discussion with the monk, Macau chose to go to Mount. Koyama, to fast and pray until the meaning of the formula was given to him. He told the others at the monastery that if he was not back in 21 days, they should look for his body because he would be dead. He left the monastery with no food and climbed the mountain. He stayed beside a small stream and gathered 21 stones to mark the passage of time. Day after day went by until he came to the dawn of the last day. He saw a brilliant light coming toward him. He was afraid, but knew that his whole journey had led him to this point, and so faced the light. It struck him on the forehead, and he fell unconscious. As he regained consciousness, he saw each of the symbols which were contained in the Sanskrit writings along with their meanings. A voice spoke to him, as if to say, remember. He awoke without feeling weak, and as if he had never fasted, and he thought, this is a miracle. He went down the mountain and stopped to get something to eat at a small vendor stand. At first, the vendor seeing his long beard would not serve him, but Macaluci demanded to eat and suffered no ill effects from eating after such a long fast.
1: He thought this
0: is a second miracle. He saw the vendor's granddaughter with a cloth wrapped around her hand, her head. She was crying and had a terrible toothache. He put his hands on her and she was healed. He thought, this is a third miracle." When he returned to the monastery, he discussed with the monk what to do with the knowledge and ability he'd been given. It was decided that he would serve in the slums of Kyoto. He healed many of the beggars and lived there over the years until one day he recognized some of the very ones he had been healing, returning to beg in the slums. He was heartbroken and asked them why they had returned. They replied that life was easier there, and they preferred to live in the slums. makau realized that the monks had been right all along, that the physical healing without spiritual healing was not enough. He decided that he would no longer give the Reiki away but would charge a fee for it and wrote the precepts of Reiki that are with us today. Just for today, do not worry. Honor your parents and your teachers. Earn your living honestly. Have respect for all living things. After leaving the slums, Mikaui Sui walked the towns of Japan carrying a lit torch in the daylight. When he was asked about it, he told people that he was looking for those who were seeking to know the light and he had a way to find it. In this way, he met a man named Chihiro Hayashi, who was a retired naval officer. He became makau sui's best student, and before he died, he passed him all the information that he had received on the mountain and the formula he had found in the Sanskrit writings. During this time, there lived in Hawaii a woman named Owayo Takata, Her husband had died and she was suffering from several health complications, one of which was asthma. As she was about to undergo surgery, she heard a voice tell her to go to Japan and be treated with Reiki in the clinic there. She got up off the operating table and traveled to Japan and met Chuhiro Hayashi. At first, when she was treated with Reiki, she was skeptical and thought practitioners had batteries in their pockets. Later, she became the best student, as she and her own treatments in the clinic and the surrounding countryside. Then came the beginnings of World War II. Chirio Hayashi knew that he would have to rejoin the Japanese Imperial Navy, and he could not resign himself to killing after having spent so much of his life in healing. He called ayo Ayoho Takata to him from Hawaii, and with her and his close family in attendance, he peacefully left his body. He had passed to Mrs. Takata, all the information Mikau had passed to him and named her as the next Grand Master of Reiki. He had also told her how to keep herself and this information safe as a Japanese American living in Hawaii. Hawaii Takata returned to Hawaii and throughout her life, taught 22 masters in Reiki. Among these masters were two women One of these was her granddaughter, Phyllis Firomoto, and the other was Barbara Weber Ray, before she died in 1980. She had not clearly named either of these women as Grandmaster of Reiki. After her death, each claimed to have the true knowledge of Reiki, and there came to be a division in it. Barbara Weber Ray taught one of the teachers, one of my teachers, and Phyllis Firomoto taught another. As the division in Reiki increased, many masters started to teach their own versions of the Reiki, and became as diverse as it is today reiki was originally taught over the course of four days approximately two to three hours each day it was divided into three levels the first level consisted of four attunements and hand positions to treat the entire body plus the history and philosophy of reiki the second level consisted of three of the symbols or keys which are in the formula that my discovered in the sanskrit writings these symbols were not written or shown to anyone else. Reiki was presented in an oral Japanese tradition, honoring the masters and grandmasters. The third level of Reiki consisted of one or more, one more symbol, and the teachings of the attunement process was intended for those who seriously wished to pursue becoming a master. Originally, only the grandmaster could teach another master. Many different forms of Reiki are available today, and it is not my intention to criticize any of them. The first part of this book was given to me in the hope of clarifying some of the issues of modern-day traditional Reiki, and to encourage and inspire those of you who wish to learn traditional Reiki. With the second part of this book, I'm giving those of you who wish to know the same opportunity as Mikau-usui. If you wish to approach the life force directly, with no other teacher, I've provided you with a map. As you draw each key, ask for its knowledge, and allow it to carry you on a journey. I've experienced being taught Reiki both ways. My first experience with a traditional teacher. My second was with the life force itself. To me, there's no substitute for being taught directly by the life force. It's much more difficult and at the same time much more fulfilling. Sorry to leave you with that choice to each of you. These keys have remained lost long enough. Now that they are regained, we all have the choice. It is with great pleasure that I offer these papers to to those of you who wish to know. And that's the end of the history. So imagine the patience, persistence, (laughs) we've talked about desire, patience and persistence before. But imagine whether the story is true or not. It's a great story of a man who goes off to determine or, or to discover just what these symbols mean or what this equation meant this formula meant and he sits there for 21 days fasting waiting for the answer and on the last day he finally gets the answer something i think that we can all be uh, inspired by as we think about stopping whatever it is we're trying to do trying to accomplish if your desires high enough and you're persistent perhaps you too can be rewarded as Mikau Sui was, was. All right, Robert is signing off. Thanks for listening.